Travel fam, it's your main man, Just GQ, and you are tuned in to another episode of The Travel Guys, the podcast dedicated to making travel easy for everyday people like you and me. This is the last episode of 2020, and it has been quite a year, a year that will definitely go down in history as one of the most trying times that the millennials and Gen Zs, really everybody, because boomers, I know they've been through some times as well, but it was been it has been a trying year for Everyone, everyone, absolutely. And so we're going to get into this because we've made it. So that's a an accomplishment in and of itself. Give yourselves a round of applause there just for making it through this trying year. But before we jump into today's episode, as you guessed it, we are going to do a little bit of housekeeping. So hello and welcome to all of the new listeners who have joined. I don't care whether it's via just via searching travel podcast or through Instagram or through TikTok or through Twitter or wherever if a friend recommended it to you welcome we welcome you we are happy to have you if you have not subscribed to the travel guys podcast please do so you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please follow us on the socials, across all of the socials. You can follow us on Instagram at GQ50. That's my personal, at The Travel Guides, at The Travel Guides on TikTok, at GQ50 on Clubhouse, and at GQ50 on Twitter. I think that was all of them, but, you know, we're going we're gonna to make it through either way. So, <laughs> welcome to everybody. Thank you for jumping in to this podcast. Today's episode will be about Aruba, which was the destination for the Thanksgiving excursion. So we're coming up on a month since that had occurred, but we had a couple other episodes that we needed to get off. We had DR, we had the gift guide, we had to get a few of those episodes off. So here we are. So now, without further ado, let's go into what's in the news. So what's in the news today, and this has been a hot topic for all of my people and a lot of recent conversations that I have had, is the vaccine. So the vaccine has been very top of mind for people. There are polarized sides on either side, whether you believe in the vaccine or whether you don't. I think you can sprinkle in some of the anti-vaxxers in there as well. However, I will say for me, I try to lean on the science and just on the facts. And that's where I try to I try to live because I think when you get emotion into issues, we bring emotion into issues where it shouldn't necessarily be, then it only clouds the judgment of what you would normally be able to figure out there. So that's what I'm leaning on. We What we do know is that there are two manufacturers of vaccines right now. So there's Moderna and then there's Pfizer. They've developed the vaccines. Um, you have one new piece of information that I gathered just from having conversations and doing my own independent research is that this is actually an old SARS vaccine that they have picked up and that they started development on they picked it up and then they restarted that that project and so that is what has really driven a lot of these a lot of the the um 
the new the new vaccines or the work that's gone into the new vaccine. And then they are also one myth that people have been saying that is not true. They are not injecting you with the actual virus. It is a protein that that operates similar to that and then gives your body the opportunity to react to it. And so it builds up its immunity that way. So those were two key pieces of information that I know have have contradicted some of the rumors that were going around that it was a new virus and or excuse me, that it was a new vaccine that they were developing and that they were injecting you with the virus and all of that. Those are not true. However, the the thing that still holds true is that they don't have a tight grip on long-term effects. So we know that there are side effects from taking the the vaccine and that is soreness around the actual injection point. You can have temporary fever and then flu-like symptoms as well. There have been some one-offs. I know people saw like the the nurse faint in in Tennessee. Um, And so I know that has been something that has been uh, you know, that, that that people have been discussing, as well as people who have had like uh, spells of Bell's palsy as well. So I think those are one off. Those are very relevant and very real side effects, but those are not the norm necessarily. So just keep that into or take that into account. Other key information about the vaccine, it is free for U.S. taxpayers. So this is nothing that you will have to necessarily you know, worry about as far from a, from a cost standpoint. I'm not quite sure how insurance plays into that, but it does. But per the CDC website, it does say that it is free for U.S. taxpayers, and it's being distributed in groups as well. So I can say, like, there are some of the the boomers that are in my family. They are very excited to get this this vaccine, even though they know for my personal, I will be holding off, and and I'm holding off because of uh, one big thing, and I just want to make sure that I. I it's the long-term effects. I just want to see what it looks like over time, and that's that's really it. Understanding that there is risk on both sides, because obviously the the longer you wait to have the vaccine, the longer you have immunity to COVID. And but you know, the sooner that you get it, you know, you are going to be in this V one kind of trials type of situation where they're 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 learning on the fly, they're figuring out what the long-term effects are, etc. So there's risk on both sides. I'm just going to hold off. However, because it's being distributed in groups, it doesn't really matter what I want. <laughs> so the first group is comprised of healthcare personnel and long-term care residents. So think nursing homes. Those are, and those people have already started to get it. I have some medical professionals that are in my family and friends who have who have already gotten the vaccine, and they've been working through the research and reading through it and just kind of collecting data and information to make an educated and informed choice on their side. So that's the first group. The second group, frontline workers and people, U.S. residents who are 75 plus. So these are people who are high risk, you know, people who are in the in the line of fire from a frontline worker standpoint. And then obviously, if you're older, you have uh, a greater uh, predisposition to the to, to getting COVID and having adverse effects of that. And then group three, this is where the boomers are, are coming in. So these 65 to 34 year olds, as well as and this was new information for me, 16 to 64 with underlying health conditions. So if you go in, you do if you know, you can be eligible for that if you do have a a comorbidity or a, a pre-existing condition to go in and get the and get the vaccine that way. For the rest of people, the groups will be expanded as the vaccine supply expands. So currently right now because there are only two manufacturers of that vaccine, these you know supply is limited. Um, however, there are other 
manufacturers, other companies that are working to develop and they're testing their their vaccines as well. So I would anticipate a lot more or, or some more, I should say, being brought to market because obviously there is a goodwill portion of this, but there's also a lot of money in developing the vaccine and then having a vaccine that that shows great results and then can be like the number one trusted COVID vaccine for across the across the nation, perhaps across the globe. So I would stay tuned for that. In the lane of this conversation and this podcast, I think the travel implications are something that we need to to keep in mind here. And I see this manif- manifesting itself in a couple different ways. I think that the the first is that they will start to mandate um, the vaccine. And I think the, the second way that it could is that you will have a vaccine recent COVID test option there. And but I'm not sure how it's going to work. I wouldn't anticipate this being put in place for a while because they just have to make sure that everybody that the vaccine is available to everybody from a theoretical standpoint. I mean, we've obviously seen things that are not done in the fairest of ways. But if they were going to maintain an air of fairness in this, they would need to wait until everybody had access to the vaccine. So then then they, they could put in everybody can make their choices and then they can put practices and policies in place to enforce that. So I would anticipate this being true for travel, for concerts, for a lot of things where, you know, as we start to to ramp up and and bring a new sense of normalcy to the people, to the the country and to the world, I would anticipate the like the covid policies being woven into that. So, but yeah, I, I mean, just being honest, like I, like I said, I'm going to hold off and wait on this. I'm I'm, I'm taking all data points, all uh, firsthand accounts of people who have gotten it, trying to understand how they feel. It feels like it's a little bit all over the place, which is very similar to the virus in and of itself. So, because everybody has different symptoms and different and different experience with COVID, so you know, and and it seems that the vaccine is following suit in that regard. So next, we'll move on to what's on my mind. And what's on my mind is what's on everybody's mind. It is New Year's Eve. So this is the last day of 2020. And it really is just reflecting on the year. This year will go down as one of the most tumultuous of our lifetimes. And while the the summary or the review of 2020 is seemingly terrible and people cannot wait to get this year over with there have been some bright spots and I, I think that and I've seen some commentary around people saying you know 2020 sucked for a lot of people 2020 was really great for me and so I think that and not me personally but just me in general but I think that the um, you know there's also a, a lens through which you can synthesize it because 2020 hit everybody different different ways. You know, if you have a job, if you have your health, then you are blessed and you are seen to be in in a great place. But there have been a lot of people who have been isolated in quarantine. There's a lot of people who have lost people from non-COVID issues. There are there's just there's been a lot of other elements that can impact somebody's 2020. And so I think that we just have to take a step back from all of the, the the commentary amongst people and really just reflect and try to find a sense of gratitude in the year, knowing that we are turning the page to another year and we are still here and we are still strong and we are still moving 
forward. I know for me personally, 2020 was tough. It was definitely uh, tough, but it presented a lot of challenges. But there were challenges that I was able to overcome. I was able to hit the attend my first Super Bowl, which was a, an incredible experience. I was able to go to Turks and Caicos, discovered nature, rediscovered nature with trips to Colorado and Arizona. I was really just able to be out in the in the in the in the wild and and really appreciate God's creation and then being able to reemerge into the travel game and and get out to DR as well as to Aruba and you know I, I think all of these these experiences have to be balanced with the negative impacts that we that we felt from the year I think 2020 has taught us a, a few key lessons I think one it is to not take anything for granted. <laughs> You know, we, you know, in 2019, when everybody was, when they were, were this at this point last year and everybody was claiming 2020 as their year and this is the year of this and this is the year of that, I don't, nobody anticipated what the last 12 months have, have brought us. And so I think that making sure that we are doing everything that we can to seize the day, carpe diem it up, and really move intentionally is something that we, that, that 2020 taught us. It, it has definitely kept us from or should keep us from taking things for granted in the future. I think a second lesson that 2020 has taught us is to have genuine care and empathy for other points of view that are not necessarily our own. We saw this with George Floyd and with the Black Lives Matter movement. We've seen it with other minority groups, women, LGBTQ, etc. There's just a lot of opportunity to be empathetic to the other point of view. And, and as we are still a polarized country, still hopefully coming together soon with under the new administration with Biden and, and Harris, I think that's something that we just need to maintain a, uh, an ongoing sensitivity to. Because the, the thing that when people get, get into, into the political aspect of it, the, the hypocrisy that lies on both sides gets lost. And so there, you know, no politician is coming to save us. That's just the reality of the situation. But there are certain things that that they can do that can help the country and can help the world. And that's what we really want to move move to. And I think that we are in a position to where we can move more harmoniously together. But we have to it has to go beyond government. You know, that's just if we don't we hopefully we won't have hateful tweets and and hateful interviews and all of that happening simultaneously but we as the people have to take control of moving equality of moving fairness of moving equity forward within within people and that's just a, that's something that we need to maintain keeping keep at the forefront of our minds as well um, because that is something that that can easily get lost the third lesson and I spoke on it earlier is is gratitude and I think that that's the you know we have you know, as you think through like self-care and as you think through fighting through like we have there's a there's a lot of strength that was required to get through 2020. Um, and so, you know, maintaining an air of gratitude that can that can help to balance what we, quote unquote, have to do, you know, because there is it's easy to get caught up in things being terrible all the time. It is it is very easy to focus on the negative. But if you can take a step back and focus on the positive. 
And I understand that there is some privilege in being able to say that. But as someone who has been riding with y'all, you know, and has experienced loss, has experienced trial, has experienced tribulation in 2020, maintaining a sense of gratitude for what you do have is something that can keep you afloat. It can it's a it's a very sobering and and humbling piece of of information and of perspective to to remember. I think that's something that we can we can move forward in uh, as a with a lesson from 2020 on. So just to you know, I just want to send some positive vibes because we are moving from 2020. We can turn the page on 2020. COVID is not expiring at midnight. Just, you know, contrary to popular belief, it is not expiring at midnight. However, we can turn the page on 2020 symbolically as as far as what it represents. And we can move into 2021 with hope, with peace and with love, respect for one another and empathy moving forward. Let's hope. (laughs) And so that being said, let's move into the main event for today. Ladies and gentlemen. So for today's main event, we have Aruba, which was the destination for the seventh annual Thanksgiving trip. This year, we had a much smaller group. So this trip has been has had as many as 16 people and as few as this year, which we had three. We started out with 14 that were in the conversation. Everybody dropped out and we ended up with a strong three, strong core group of three. And we were small, but we were mighty. Um, This was also a mulligan for me personally, because if you recall, in July, June or July, I tried to take I tried to make an attempt to go down to Aruba. But at the time, coming from a hot a hotbed state in Florida, the restrictions for uh, for entry into Aruba were a little bit different than they are now. They were requiring a PCR test to be taken in your state and to be submitted to their online database, which I'll get to in a second. And then once you got to the country, then you had to get tested again. And so I, you know, this was very early in COVID testing. Tests were not wildly, widely available. So I honestly contemplated just going down and being like, well, they can just test me at the airport. And that would have been horrible because it's like I mentioned in the in the previous episode, you guys can go back and check it out. I'll link it in the uh, in the description. But you had to spend two weeks, your entire quarantine period in a quote unquote government facility, which sounds like jail. So I was very, I was very much not interested in spending a night or two weeks rather in a foreign jail. So I decided to just like kind of chill and just and take a step back and just say, I'll go another time, which I did for the Thanksgiving trip. Now, this was my first time in Aruba. And I did learn because I didn't know that this is a Netherlands colony that's similar to a similar relationship that Puerto Rico has with the United States. So this is one of the ABC islands. Um, You know, Curacao is the other and they share or one of the others and they share the same language in Papiamento, which is kind of a mashup of Dutch and Spanish and English. But you can get by pretty easily with English and Spanish as well. So from a custom standpoint, because one of the questions that one of the frequent questions for folks who have been traveling and those who have not been traveling is like, how safe is it? How seriously are they taking COVID? And I can tell you without a shadow, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Aruba is not playing around with COVID. So I mentioned the the restrictions before, and while they have loosened somewhat, they're not loose at all. So for, you know, you have to get COVID testing is definitely required. 
and you have to have this ED card. And so I just Googled ED card. Um, and so it's basically like you, it's a questionnaire, you answer a bunch of questions, and then you have the option to upload a PCR test that you get locally. Now, PCR tests are different from the antigen tests, which are the antigen tests are like kind of the quick, the quick test where you, where you go, it takes 15 minutes to a day, you get your results and then you're positive or negative and then you can move forward. The PCR tests, they're very available at urgent care, but you have to, they are not as widely available and you have to be more intentional as far as seeking them out. So I was, I couldn't find one that was, that was going to be conducive to the timeline that I needed to to go to Aruba. So I just went and got an antigen test to make sure that I was okay. And then from there, I just elected to get tested at the airport. Because again, you don't want to go down there questioning that you may or may not be positive because 14 days in the government facility. <laughs> um, and so one of our one of our boys, shout out to D. Brown, he ended up dropping out the night before because he wasn't able to get his PCR test back in time and he didn't want to chance it, which was very smart. So, you know, you just have to make sure that you are you are in good shape. But a lot of these business decisions, we'll call them, that are being made is a, are a function of the policies that are in place, which are, and which keep people who could possibly have COVID out. So I said to say, you go down, they won't let you out of customs without having been tested for COVID. So you take the PCR test, you go through, you go through customs and all that action. They make you download this app, which basically makes you input all of the uh, the information that was that you put in your ED card into the into the app. And once and so backing up a little bit, when you go in and you're filling out the, the initial questionnaire for your ED card, you go you go on Google, you type it in, it takes you to the uh, to the site, you fill it out. If you it asks if you have a PCR test, a negative PCR test that you can upload. If you upload it, then you will just get a big green check at the end of that that will be on your ED card. If you do not, or if you do not have one that you can that you have to upload, then once you get to once you complete the questionnaire, it will give you the big green check mark, but it will have kind of a vial, a test tube of sorts next to it. And that will indicate that you are okay to enter the country with a with the condition of a negative PCR test. So when you get to customs and you walk through, then that is where they will swab you and swab your your frontal lobe of your brain because that's what the PCR test is. And let me tell you, I have been tested several, several times, but this test, whew, it was different. I mean, different, different. Like they, the, the, they put it, they shove it up your nose and it's like, it's far in there, like uncomfortably far. And I know you've heard this, but it is like, they shove it up there and then they twist it and they leave it. And you have to hold it in there for like five seconds. And so I ended up having to, like when they were going, they kept going up. I like almost had to push the, the person back because I was like, yo, you tripping. Like what? <laughs> like you wilding right now. Why are you why are you still shoving? It can't go any further. It's up, it's up there. You know what I'm saying? My vision is being blurred. And then after that traumatic experience, you have to do it on the other nostril as well. Now, I might be preaching to the choir because there's a lot of medical professionals who do this on a regular basis and otherwise. And so my I tip my hat to y'all because that junk was very, very serious. So a lot of you are probably thinking, like, how are they going to check me? Because I'm going to go. I got to quarantine. Like, but they ain't going to be able to, to figure it out. Wrong. They are. They everybody is on the the data system within that app. All and by everyone, I mean all of the hotels. So when you go in to a hotel, they can check in. They can see. You know, they'll ask you if you have a negative test. 
You show them your ED card and then they will say, okay, you will need to go up to your room. They give you a key card that is only activated for 10 minutes. So you go upstairs, you lock your door, you close your door and you're in, you're in your room. So you can't move around. And I don't know what the consequences are, honestly, if they catch you, you know, if you're just just like, well, I'm just not going to go to my room. I don't know what that is, but I think that would be kind of ridiculous, honestly, because that, that is very selfish because you are just voluntarily like possibly spreading COVID around to people. But that is, that's neither here nor there. Um, so that is how they are able to hold people accountable for how they're, how they're moving after, after COVID. I will say I was suited up on the flight because this was one of my first flights where seats were not, um, where seats were not left open. And there was a kid that was next to me and he was, he was, he was chill, but one secondary benefit to having the suit, the, the hazmat suit is this kid was kicking the mess out of me for like the whole flight and his feet were not clean. So he was just like kick. And I was like, man, I would be so tight if I had my real clothes on. But because I had the hazmat suit on, I was like, I was like, it's all good. And I didn't want to, you know, pinch his legs or do anything crazy like that to to get him to chill out. But it was it was just not, you know, gonna be a good a good situation. If I just had like my regular clothes on and I needed to get up get up through. Now I gotta change, I gotta do a whole bunch of stuff. It's just not it's not worth it. But the suit works. <laughs> I say that to say. I talked to y'all about the language. I stayed at the Renaissance Marriott Hotel. And this is kind of the premier hotel on the on the island or one of them. The Ritz Carlton is the other. The the Renaissance gets a lot of hype because it is connected to Flamingo Beach, which is obviously like one of the main attractions on the on the island. But the Renaissance Hotel, the Renaissance Marriott Hotel, wow, very nice. Very nice. Lots. They had a very nice gym. They have an infinity pool that like that that is that's beautiful. They had a DJ spinning. The rooms were clean. Rooms were nice. They got a downstairs bar. They have two casinos that are attached. They have it's a myriad of things. And they have two properties on the on the island. One is for adults. The other is more so family friendly. It reminded me a lot of couples retreat, uh, you know, with Vince Vaughn and Kristen Bell and all that. And it, where they had like the two the two different sides of the island and everything. So they have they have that. And while all of that is true. The Renaissance Marriott Hotel is expensive as hell. <laughs> and so I would not necessarily recommend staying the entire time there. We stayed for a week. I, at baseline, think that a week is too long to stay in Aruba. I think probably like four or five days is a, is a really nice, solid time frame for you. But a week at the cost of this, of this room was crazy. Gnarls Barkley crazy. I mean, it's just not not the not the move at all. So this was definitely a trip that we peeled for unnecessarily. You have other properties that are not necessarily as close to the strip or any of that, but you know, they but they are definitely running like half. Like you can get them at, you know, 150, 100 a night, where you can just make sure that uh, you know, your dollars are going far and you're further and you're being you're being smart about how you're spending. I mentioned that the the big attraction for the Renaissance Marriott is the direct access and quote unquote free access, which you are paying for to Flamingo and Iguana Island, which is the same island, but just different different sides of it. And again, there's one that's more family friendly and then there's one that's more, you know, that's more adult friendly where people are drinking and kicking it. But there are um, restaurants 
you know, there are a couple of restaurants that are uh, that are over the place. You have the opportunity to to do some water sports. You can do a lot of different things. But most people just go to drink and chill and just and just kind of just kind of kick it um, when you're when you're over there. There's a ferry that picks you up behind at Lucy's, which is a restaurant that is behind the Renaissance Marriott Hotel um, that will take you to Flamingo Beach and Iguana Beach. Um, and I mentioned that that is every 15 minutes that it'll leave. It is t- a 10 minute ride. Um, and it's pretty it's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty chill ride. They, have, they make one stop on the other at the other Renaissance Marriott Resort. To, to pick people up and then take them to the to the island as well. If you are not a resident at the Renaissance Hotel, then the day pass is a buck twenty five. So I mentioned that there's a, a really dope that the DJ was spinning. There's a really dope pool. All that is free. So if I was not if I was me <laughs> and I was not staying at the Renaissance Hotel, I would one thousand percent not stay there. Like while I was there, I wouldn't even book. Some people book like one night if they're like the night before they're going to the Flamingo Beach. They will they will stay at the at the Renaissance Hotel. I don't think you even think you need to do that. You could very easily just come early, kick it by the pool for a little bit. Take the take the ferry over there. You pay for your one twenty five. Come back, kick it by the pool again. Have some drinks and then go back. And you are Gucci Mane Lafleur. Like I just don't I just don't see a need to stay at the Renaissance unless you want to, or I mean, hell, unless you got some Marriott points and you just want to use them things, then go ahead, go, go crazy. But it is, it, you can definitely finesse it without staying there physically. For Flamingo Beach, there are cabanas that are available at $400 each. If we had, you know, I mentioned there were three of us. If we, ha- it wasn't worth it for, for the three of us. But if we had like 10 people, I would 1000% get a cabana. Or if we had like, Probably like anywhere in the five to ten range, like definitely we'll get get bottles and bring a bring a speaker over there, and you can have your own party. Like you are far away from folk, so you don't you can be secluded and you can live your best your best life. So I would one thousand percent recommend that. Um, and then the flamingos, obviously, as the centerpiece of why you why you're there. A couple of fun facts about flamingos. You had, we got some time, so a couple of fun facts about about flamingos. One, their color comes from, and this was new to me, but the flamingo's color comes from eating shrimp, plankton, algae, and crustaceans. Did not know that. Thought that flamingos just defaulted to being pink. And there are, there's variations of the saturation of the color. So the more that they're eating, the pinker they are. Glad humans are not like that. Secondly, flamingos are actually both strong swimmers and powerful flyers, even though they typically are not doing that, either of those. They are typically just standing um, you know, they do have the ability to excel in both of those activities. Hmm. Who knew? And then thirdly, they stand on one leg as a, they alternate legs, excuse me, but they stand on one leg at a time in order to warm up the other leg while they are standing and regulate their body temperature. The last fact I'm going to hit you with is that flamingos bite. <laughs> which was something that was very new to me until one bit me, until one pecked at my arm. Because while you are on Flamingo Beach, you have the option to feed the the flamingos. And they have like some little dispensers. But honestly, people were just kind of sharing the food back and forth because a lot of folks are just using those to get the 
the the photo op that everybody that everybody's looking at and they're just kind of roaming up and down the beach and this is a man-made beach so it's not anything crazy it's not super long but they're just going back and forth and then you can kind of position and work through work around the flamingos to get the shot that you want and i'm being a little dramatic because it doesn't it doesn't hurt but they definitely will peck at you they won't 1000 percent peck at you but you'll be all right especially if you can get the if you can get the flicks but they they will they will feed on you while you're trying to feed uh feed them uh, but they are chilling for the for the most part. We stayed at Flamingo Beach for like five or six hours and then came back to the hotel. One perk for staying at the Renaissance Hotel is that you have unlimited access to both Iguana Island and Flamingo Island as or Flamingo Beach and Iguana Beach. So that's just something to keep in mind. So you don't necessarily have to. It, I guess there's less there's less pressure if you're staying there to to get it all done in one day or if you are trying to you know create content if you don't get the shot one day you can go back the next day and try your luck again next up the UTV tours this was the highlight this was uh, the dopest activity that we did the entire trip in my opinion and it was it was crazy. So they so the ATV UTV tours are something that you hear a lot about. It's a great way to see the island. The island is not super big, to be all the way honest. Like it's just and you and you can I'll give you some context on that when I drove to Baby Beach, which was leaving from which was driving diagonal across the island, leaving from one of the, the you know, the most northwest point of the island down to the furthest southeastern portion of the island and it took me 45 minutes so it's not you're not dealing with a whole lot of land here but the utvs and atvs are a great way to to accomplish that and to see the island as a whole um i'm gonna speak to the utvs because that's what we did but and they were awesome so we went with De palm tours which came recommended at the at the renaissance and we had a we had a dope uh, tour guide his name was sheldon Sheldon was the man. Sheldon showed us a great time. He took us. He took us through a, a bunch of different places. He let us add to the to where we were going and take away from it as as needed. This was my first time uh, driving a UTV as well. And UTVs are very similar to like sand buggies for all intents and purposes. Uh, the first one I had <laughs> didn't have any mirrors, and as I was like riding around, I was looking around. I was like, I feel like I should not be the only one without having side mirrors here and knowing that we were riding on the street and riding through traffic like they you definitely you definitely need them um but they got me right they got me together though the governor because i know i'm a little bit of a, a speed a speed racer so i tried to like punch that thing and it it caps out at 41 miles per hour it immediately starts shaking so you know when you've hit the when you've hit the the governor as a whole i would love to see what it, how fast they would go if you if you took it off but you know it's all good but we were able to hit a lot of different spots so there we were able to hit uh post chiquito which was like which is a nice uh, uh beachfront that allows you just to like see the see the vastness of the of the ocean and taking some of the natural beauty i flew my drone there and got some good got some good shots um we then went to De Palm Island, which is another man-made island that uh, was for that actually has a has a water slide on there. Has like a little bit of an amusement park, not not really an amusement park. It's really just the just a slide, but the slide with like a private beach. So we were in the in the private beach for a minute, and then we hopped up into the. Um, into onto the water slide and went down that like several times. It was very fun. Like it, and it's not like. It's a it's a big water slide like you where you gotta you gotta walk upstairs and do all that action. It's like it's like it's it's legit and we had a great time doing that as well. Um, and then we also 
went to the natural bridge and the natural bridge is made from volcanic rock. It's one of the, it's one of the main attractions here, uh, or excuse me, not here, but in, in Aruba. Um, and it reminded me a lot of Australia, Bondi beach specifically. And so I, and there was those vibes continued with at baby beach as well. So that, which I'll talk, I'll speak to in a little bit. Lastly, we went to the California lighthouse and the lighthouse, I can never really figure out like what the actual significance of it was, but it's it's a landmark. It has it, it's 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 something that you should see just to say that you saw it, but there's not much to see, and you can you can see it on your way to something else. I'll, I'll put it to you like that. But the the best part of going to the lighthouse was <laughs> we started to go off roading. So we we're following on the on the roads and everything. And we're kind of we're just parking on the side and like getting off. Taking pictures, looking at it, what looking at whatever we're looking at. I told you we went to uh, De Palm Island where we were like able to splash around and then go on the water water uh, slide and everything. But then we kind of veered off and went hit like this this off this off road trail. And as we're going down, it had been raining a little bit, and so there was like mud, there were puddles and everything. Man, we started mud and we hit we hit some of those some of those big puddles. Got some good good. I was dirty. AF well, by the time I was done, man, I was just covered in mud. But it was like it was a great time. It was it was so much fun and just like cutting the cutting the the UTVs loose and and hitting them off of uh you know just just you know how it is like jumping in and out of the ditches and and you know splashing around and making sure that you know everybody's just having a good time. So that was that was easily the best the best part for me. It took me back to my childhood a little bit <laughs> and just being able to you know, to, to mess around out there. But that was, it was, it was excellent. The next day we went to Aruba Aloe Factory. And so uh, the Aloe's has special significance to Aruba because it is their number one export. They, it is indigenous, Aloe specifically is indigenous to African and Middle Eastern countries, but there was a Dutchman who brought it over to Aruba, surprise, surprise, and taking from Africa, <laughs> uh, just for those of you who did not get that, and they it, it became their number one export on on the island. Aloe originally has so it has sap, and then it has the gel that everybody knows now. The sap is actually was actually the original use for aloe, and it is a laxative. And then once they were a, once they had to pivot away from the laxative, then they were able to utilize the the gel that was in there, which obviously has great benefits for your skin and. The Aloe Aruba factory specifically was founded in 1890. They have 30,000 plants, uh, 30,000 aloe plants that are on the plantation. And it is a store, a factory, and a museum all in one. We took a tour of the museum. The museum was cool. This was very much falls into the, this very much falls into the category of cool things that you would normally, that you wouldn't normally do that you can do and say that you did it. You know, it's, it's a, it's a good day activity. It doesn't take too long. It's a little bit, it's, it's about, I actually am not sure how far, how far away it is. We ended up walking from the, um, from the hotel there and it was, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Um, but we were, um, but we got some good exercise. We were able to we were able to go and check it out. I even got some Christmas presents from there as well because they have all kinds of aloe products. 
not not even necessarily just like jars of aloe, but like they have suntan lotion, they have after sun lotion, they have face wash, they have soaps, they have shampoos and conditioners and like just a little bit of everything. So and it's it smells really good too. So you you know you go in and and just check it out. But it's a it was a it was a cool um experience and something to say that we did. I was a little skeptical about it, but I definitely enjoyed myself a lot. So I mentioned Baby Beach. Rogers Beach is right next to Baby Beach. So and and I ended up being the I, I wanted to go just to check it out. And so I ended up separating from the group, which I think one, you know, doing so without any type of strife is something that <laughs> is something I value in travel partners and just making sure that 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 is not the case, you know, that I can move freely and have the freedom to to do what I want to do. It, that's something that's important to me. And I think that's you have to examine what works for you with your travel crew. However, I took it upon myself to to rent a car and to go to Baby Beach and Rogers Beach just from an exploratory standpoint, knowing that that's something to see. And um, and, and it was well worth it. I rented a car for 50 bucks. I got it for 24 hours. The 50 bucks is nothing and pays for itself almost immediately because because the taxi from the airport to the hotel was $25. This was the last full day before we were leaving, so I was able to keep it and drive us to the airport for you know, for, and, and save that 25 bucks in addition to being able to drive to Baby Beach, to Rogers Beach, and check those out also. I was a little nervous. I was a little worried about navigating without GPS because I don't have, I don't buy the data plans. I think that persuaded me to start doing that whenever I leave. I've always been a, a Wi-Fi warrior, just like hopping from network to network. And then once you've been in a place for you know, a week, you start to just, you've already been to all the hotspots. So you just start to connect wherever you go and and you have pseudo, you know, 5G network in there because you're able to, because you've you're already connected at, you know, 75% of the places that, that you're going. Um, but I think this did kind of turn the tide just because I was thinking like, okay, what if I get lost? I was like screenshotting maps and screenshotting directions and everything. I ended up being able to navigate it fine it wasn't it wasn't that that difficult um because i mean you just got to get to where there's signs you just got to get to where there's signs and they will tell you where to go but it was all good i ended up being able to navigate it had some jams it's a very scenic scenic drive you go down when you come down over it's beautiful when you come down um over this hill before you and you drive to the beachfront before you have to follow another um, trail around which actually takes you to Baby Beach and Rogers Beach. There's this big anchor, and the and the red anchor is there in memoriam for uh, some sailors, I believe. And they've got, uh, but it, but it's beautiful. It's got a beautiful backdrop, um, and so that is a a photo op that that exists there. But it also lets you know or let me know because as a landmark that I was getting close. <laughs> so then you go down to to Baby Beach and Baby Beach and Rogers Beaches, they are they were just there were never really like crowded beaches per se. Like there were a lot of people at the Flamingo. There was a, a decent amount of people at um, at the Flamingo Beach, but it wasn't like overly crowded. It wasn't like, oh no, I got to get out of here. Plus, you know, they're heavily testing everybody. That's a very relieving feeling that, you know, everybody has been tested for COVID in the last however long. And it's like, like they weren't going to be able to maneuver if they didn't get a negative test. So that is a very reassuring feeling and one that I definitely didn't take for granted, but recognize it to be something that I enjoyed and, <laughs> and something that put me at ease as a whole, even though I was still sanitizing and wearing my mask. But I say that to say that 
Baby Beach and Rogers Beach were beautiful, and there weren't a ton of people there. I didn't stay for too terribly long. I went, got some got some flicks, put my toes in the water, went and got some very tasty grouper from a restaurant that was that was on the that was on the beach, and that restaurant gave me a lot of Bondi Beach vibes as well. That was where I, I what I was mentioning ahead of time when we were talking about the Natural Bridge, because at Bondi Beach there is a pool that's attached to the main restaurant there. And so when you go when you go up, there are people who are just like, they don't even go in the ocean. They just go in the pool and swim, and they just look out over into the into the ocean. And that was what they were doing here. It was one, there was a, a pool that was attached to this restaurant, and so which was which is pretty dope. If I would have stayed for longer, I definitely would have gotten in. But it was it was fun nonetheless. And just really nice to see a different, a different side of it. And the drive was beautiful. So at the end of the day, it was just like a nice activity to have to go on to go on a drive and see the rest of the island because you we covered a lot of ground with the utvs and so going to baby beach and rogers beach you were able to really see the rest of the island and make sure that you know you just have full context you know because it's because it is a beautiful island there's a lot to there's a lot to see even though there's not a lot of space and you know it, it was it was a good activity and like i mentioned the the um the rental car basically paid for itself as well. Um, Baby Beach and Rogers Beach are in San Nicolas, which is on the opposite side of the island from where the hotels are. So it was really just nice to go on a drive and see the rest of the island more, more than what we had already seen to round it out. A few activities that I wish we would have done that we ended up not being able to to get in. One was deep sea fishing. So this is something I've never done before. I was with JT Fit and Fresh. I was with with Turner, and he's he's done it a couple times, and he was raving about it. And it kind of grew on me as a suggestion, and so to the where at the end of the trip, I really wanted to do it, and something that I will look forward to doing on a, on another trip. But they were catching sharks, they were catching swordfish, they were catching big fish out there, and it was just like, man, that that sounds like something that would be fun. I haven't been fishing in decades. Like I have not. That's just nothing I've done since I was a kid. But I, I think it would be pretty dope to, to do that. And then obviously, if you were, you know, if you got it, then you could cook it. So, you know, that would be fun to like literally catch your dinner and eat it that eat it that night. And I know you can you can um, hire people to actually cook it for you. So you don't you don't have to necessarily like fillet the fish or the shark or the swordfish or whatever. But you can make sure that you are uh, that it's prepared well and that you're you're able to enjoy it. So I wish I would wish we would have done that. The natural pool is something that people talk about a lot in Aruba. It was inaccessible from a COVID standpoint and also from an, uh, an, uh, an environmental conditions standpoint. So they were only allowing four by four vehicles to go in there. Um, and and you had to have like special permission. So I couldn't really get to to where I could get a four by four vehicle from like a because the 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 rental car spot wasn't necessarily it wasn't super sophisticated. So it was kind of like a you gonna you gonna take what we have type of situation. Um, but I was very curious at, at what that would look like and how that how that would actually uh, work. But we ended up just being a little too complicated for us to to go to uh, the natural pool. So that's something to keep on the list for the next time we're down there. From a food standpoint, and this is the last thing I'm going to talk to you guys about, but the food was excellent. I mean, every meal was excellent. You know I take the Thanksgiving dinner very seriously. So that was at Yemenja, 
wood fried grill and it was insane i had like this ultimate seafood platter it had calamari it had shrimp it had lobster it had crab it had fish it had everything on there on a bed of vegetables it was delicious it was so good the next morning when i woke up because we did drink a little bit but i was like i could not wait to have the rest of it i didn't have any <laughs> i didn't have any utensils so i just used a muscle shell because we have muscles for the <laughs> We have muscles for the for the appetizer, and I was using that as the spoon to get everything to to scoop everything up so I could finish this this food. It was excellent. I mean, delicious. I would I would definitely put that high on your priority list from a food standpoint. Uh, you know, brunch. I have a deep passion for brunch, so the Dutch Pancake House is something that is was very good. Um, we ended up not. I got a little bit of the the Dutch pancakes. So the Dutch pancakes are like. They're like super thin, crepey pancakes, but they are delicious. And <laughs> and they come in like all different types. So you can have like strawberry, you can have the cinnamon sugar, you can do, you can get a, a myriad of, of uh, you can get a made a myriad of ways. But that was super good. And, and all the food there was, was great. Um, Cafe the Plaza is next door to the Dutch Pancake House. And their brunch was excellent as well. They're, you know, burritos. They had like, oh, it was just... It was, it, the pancakes were good. The waffle was good. E- everything was good. They have some Benedicts as well that, that I saw. I did not have that, but I saw other people who had it, and it looked excellent. I didn't see a bad thing come out of that kitchen. Lastly, Iguana Joe's. Iguana Joe's is not sophisticated cuisine, let's call it. But what they did have was all-you-can-eat ribs. So I took a step down from my pescatarian throne and rolled up my sleeves and went ham on on three racks of baby back ribs with fries and coleslaw and it was insane it was excellent i fully was living my life out there i was just like all right whatever our diet starts on monday but we gonna we gonna get it in while we're here and that just kind of completed the spectrum of food that was available it's you know from the the rena- staying at the renaissance marriott there there are several restaurants that are on the property but you know how we do i was trying to get outside of the of the property as much as possible to see what we could do Uh, we were a little hamstrung just because there were you know because we didn't have a car until the last day Uh, but all in all I mean it it, the food the food was excellent Um, and Aruba honestly owes us nothing it was just it was a it was a good trip I was really happy that we were able to make it happen we had we ended up having a a small but mighty group and the dynamic carried through Um, I think that it was it was necessary for me, honestly, from like a mental health standpoint and from just like a reset standpoint because of because I hadn't been moving around a ton in 2020 comparatively to other years. And I was just in need of the trip. So all in all, I had a, I had a really good time in Aruba. I would recommend four to five days versus six, seven days. And that's just because you can get you can have really jam packed days for, um, you know, with the activities that I mentioned, and you can add and subtract from that as you need to, but you also will get some of that relaxation at Flamingo Island. You can also, or at Flamingo Beach, excuse me, um, and then at some of the other beaches as you please. So you can weave in some of the relaxation in there, but it is a really nice destination there. There's a lot of, um, uh, there are some Americans that are that are coming down there, so you can make some some friends there. If you um, you know once you once you get there, we met a couple of solo travelers and um, and and a lot of people honestly from New York and 
in Massachusetts. I don't know what was going on, but everywhere from New York, New Jersey, and Massachusetts, there was a there were a gang of people from those three states that were that were down there. So they were they were flooding it. I mean, it was it was cold up there. So I'm glad that they I know they were they were happy to be in Aruba for a change of pace. And that'll do it for the Aruba guide. So I appreciate you checking in. Appreciate you listening to the information. Hopefully you're able to take a couple notes or jot some things down in your in your phone so that when you're booking your flight to Aruba, you'll know where to go and you can start your itinerary from the from the Travel Guys podcast. Again, this is your host, Just GQ. And please make sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. And remember, your next adventure is just a click away. Thanks for listening.